You are listening to an Activators episode from Imagine 5. Imagine 5 is an impact nonprofit creating stories that inspire and empower you to live a more sustainable life. Hello, and welcome to the brand new series, the Activator series, a part of the Imagine 5 podcast. My name is Megan Lambert, and I am so excited to host these episodes. These episodes are designed to give you tangible and powerful ways that you can help when it comes to climate change and sustainability. Um, At Imagine 5, we're all about making sustainable change contagious by sharing inspiring solutions and positive actions you can take. So one of the reasons I wanted to start this series of episodes is because I noticed that there's a gap. There's a gap because eight out of 10 young people are worried about climate change and want to do something to help, but over half say they don't know where to start. And I felt like that myself, like, ooh, such a big problem. It's such a big challenge. What can I actually do? Have you ever felt that way? Like, you want to make a difference, you care, but you don't know where to start or what actions actually have the highest impact. So that's what this episode is all about. And that's what this podcast is for. So it's for the person who cares about the earth, is concerned about climate change, and wants information on simple, tangible, and powerful ways that they can help and be part of the solution. Before I dive in, I want to say two things. One is on perfectionism. As a recovering perfectionist myself, I want to quote French philosopher Voltaire, who said, perfect is the enemy of good. So when we think about sustainability and climate change, one of the blocks I see with people is they believe if I can't make all the changes, why make any? Or if I admit how much I care about the earth, all of my actions need to reflect that. I need to be a vegan, electric car driving, reusable diaper using. All of my choices have to reflect that. And that's neither realistic nor is it possible. Instead, I encourage you to see this episode and to think about your own eco journey as a series of small steps you can take. So there's some you've probably already done. And then this episode hopefully will give you some ideas on the next few that you can take. Um, but it's not black or white. It's not all or nothing. It's a series of actions that you can take towards a direction you believe in. While you hold the paradox that you probably care a lot about the earth, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this, but sometimes due to time, money, limited choices, your actions may not always reflect that. This paradox we explore deeper in our community conversations like the five circles. So I'll put a link to the next five circle in the show notes. The other thing I want to say is because climate change and sustainability is such a big global challenge, a lot of times it can feel like what does it matter what I do? My actions are so small in the scale of this giant challenge. The thing I would encourage you to do is to act as if you matter because you do every action you take matters. And when all of us act as if we matter and realize that we do, that's when change happens. So act as if you matter because you do. All right, let's get into this month's topic, which is food. So I was reading a study by Project Drawdown who calls themselves the world's leading resource for climate solutions. Um, And they analyze all the solutions available and rank the ones that have the highest impact. So that's what they do. The study was on what are the ways individuals can help with carbon emissions and climate change. 
And the top two ways individuals can help are both centered around food. So that's why we're starting the series around food. Do you know what these top two actions are that people can take when it comes to food? Drum roll, please. The top two actions are number one most impact, impactful thing you can do is to reduce food waste. Number two is to eat a plant-rich diet. Are you surprised? I was. I was surprised by how impactful these two things are. So these two actions together are four times as effective as the next most impactful change, which is, if you're curious, is solar panels. So just these two things around food are four times as effective as the next one. So let's dive into a little bit about why this is. Well, let's start with the most impactful thing you can do as an individual to help with climate change, and that is reducing your food waste. So here's a crazy fact. One third of the world's food is never eaten. That's 1.3 billion tons of food by, and that's the equivalent of 22 walls of China by weight every year. If you imagine this giant wall of China and imagine instead of a wall, it's food waste. There's 22 of those that we waste every single year globally. What? So this food waste contributes roughly 8% of greenhouse gas emissions, just food waste. So Project Drawdown says when food is wasted, all of the energy, resources, and money that went into producing, processing, packaging, and transporting it are wasted as well. Producing uneaten food squanders a whole host of resources, seeds, water, energy, land, fertilizer, labor, and money. And it generates greenhouse gases at every stage. Makes sense, right? If you think about it, all this food was made, but not used, consumed. So how did we end up wasting so much food? Why is only two-thirds of the food produced ever eaten? And this is a bit intricate and is different depending on where you live, but food can be wasted every step along the value chain. So it can be wasted on the farm, in production, storage and distribution. Um, it can be wasted at the grocery store, turning away ugly fruits and vegetables, bruised produce, and it can also be wasted at the consumer level when consumers buy much more food than they end up eating. Um, you probably know that moment when you go through your fridge and toss out everything that's gone bad that you didn't eat, right? That's classic food waste. A study from the U.S. found that individuals waste 1,200 calories of food a day on average, and a household of four wastes $1,800 yearly on food that's never eaten. This number is shocking, but it also makes sense. Like when I think about my own life, <laughs> I'm a family of three, me, my husband, and our little one. I threw out a bunch of grapes. I threw out some old bread, some yogurt that expired before I could eat it. And as I was doing that, I was like, oops, it's really being aware that food waste is such a big contributor has made me more deliberate when I'm buying food. I start to buy smaller amounts and go more often so I know I'm going to eat it. And that brings me to one big change you can make here is only buy what you know you'll eat yeah. and then get creative about what's already in your fridge and pantry. Can you make a soup? Can you make a smoothie? This takes discipline and time, but it can save you and the planet a lot. So here are five food saving tips that helped me a lot. Number one, one of the biggest wasted items is stale bread. You may already know this. It blew my mind. You can revive stale bread by dunking the bread in water and microwaving it. And it comes out like it's just been baked. It's amazing. Number two, you can store fresh herbs wrapped in a damp paper towel in a sealed container in the fridge, and they will last for weeks. Number three, freeze leftovers in individual size containers so that next time you need a lunch or a dinner, you can just cool it out of your freezer. 
Number four, keep the stems of vegetables such as broccoli, celery, or asparagus in a cup of water to help them stay fresh and crisp. Also, wilted isn't bad. (laughs) You can use wilted vegetables in soups. You can use wilted fruits in smoothies. Just the texture changes, but a lot of them are still edible. And then number five, keep your fridge clutter-free and use clear containers so you can easily see what you have. Personally, I like to keep my fruits and vegetables at the eye level shelf so that I don't forget what we have. Because when they're in the drawer at the bottom, I often forget. And then by the time I remember, they're moldy. One more thing that you might want to check out is we just interviewed Max Lumana, who is a low-waste cook. And he has tons of recipes and ideas on how to waste less. So I'm going to put the link in the show notes to that interview in case you're curious. Okay, second most impactful action you can take, eat a plant-rich diet. So eating loads of meat gives you a carbon footprint of 7.2 CO2 emissions a day compared to eating a little meat is only 4.7. Vegetarian is 3.9 or vegan 2.9. So what does this all mean, all these numbers? It means that a vegan or vegetarian diet is the best thing you can do for the environment. But if you enjoy meat or you want to eat meat for health reasons, then cutting your beef consumption by even a little bit can have a huge impact. And in fact, according to Meatless Mondays, if you go one day a week without eating meat, that is the equivalent carbon emission reduction of not driving your car for a month. So giving up meat for one day a week is the equivalent of not driving your car for a month. Mind blown. (laughs) At least it was for me. Maybe you already knew that. Um, Beef production alone is responsible for 7% of the greenhouse gas emissions. I was so surprised to hear that number and I needed more clarification. So let me break this down for you. First of all, cows who make our beef are gassy creatures. Their farts and burps and poops let out methane, which is one of the big contributors to greenhouse gases. That's not all. Our lovely cow friends also need to eat. And growing animal feed is one of the leading causes of deforestation worldwide. That's right. We're cutting down the rainforest in Amazon and other places. In the Amazon alone, we cut down 1.9 million hectares last year alone in order to grow space to grow things like soybeans to feed our cows. Yeah. And the problem is growing. So as beef consumption is continuing to grow, the pasture land needed is expanding by an estimated 400 million hectares between 2010 and 2050. And that's an area larger than India. So that's a lot of forests and biodiversity that we're losing because we cut it, we're cutting down those trees and those forests in order to create more cropland, to grow feed for the cows, pasture land for the cows. All of these factors means that beef requires 20 times more land and emits 20 times more emissions per gram of protein than plant proteins, such as beans. Yeah. In short, beef and lamb are the biggest culprits on carbon emissions. Next up, by the way, is dairy, pork, and poultry. So this means, in tangible terms, you might be listening to this thing like, oh my gosh, that is a big problem. What can I actually do? It means that if you can switch out your steak for chicken, or better yet, for lentils or beans, it can make a huge difference. I know. This can be a bummer for people like me who love steaks and meat. But I was inspired to know that even a little change, like one day a week or a few meals at a time, can have a big impact. So if you want to go deeper into this topic, I put more links in the show notes. I put some more statistics, resources, and articles for you to continue on this. All right, so let's round out the five main changes you can make when it comes to food. The first one was reducing food waste. 
Second one was eating a plant-rich diet. Now we're going to do changes three, four, and five quickly. Change number three is buy local. Transport accounts for 19% of foods carbon emissions. So going to the farmer's market, buying a CSA subscription, which is a community-supported agriculture, or choosing produce that is grown near you can have a huge impact. This saves emissions on trucks, boats, or planes that would otherwise be needed to transport your food. Most food travels by boat, around 60%, but a small number travel by plane, which is 50 times as bad for the environment. So foods that travel by plane are non-local asparagus, green beans, berries, cherries. And so really taking care to avoid perishable, non-seasonal produce can have a big impact. The other benefit to uh, buying local is you might get a chance to meet the people who are growing the food you eat. And for me, at least, this helps me feel a sense of connection to my food and my local environment. Change number four, buy organic. Buying organic, you probably already know this, but it reduces pesticide use, artificial fertilizer use, both of which can end up in our water streams and our soil. It increases biodiversity. It can also be better for your health. One more benefit, each time you buy organic, you are signaling to the grocery store and to the farmers that consumers care that their produce is organic, which means that more production goes in that direction. So one of the best things you can do around sustainability is vote with your dollars. So that means that spend money on things that you believe in and things that you care about, because that signals to the industry that this is the direction consumers are going. All right. And then change number five these days, change number five is to buy seasonal. So these days you can buy most most types of produce most times of year. So you want bananas in December? Why not? You want avocados in snowy Iceland? Sure. You want pineapple in Canada? No problem. Except the problem is the transportation of these foods, not to mention the refrigeration, storage, and greenhouses needed. So what's the alternative? Is to buy seasonal and local. So fall in love with how the produce can shift with the weather. How about a cozy kale, leek, and potato soup? for winter in Europe, or a watermelon cucumber salad in the U.S. for summer. Not only is eating seasonally better for the planet, it can also help you feel more connected to nature and to nature's cyclical rhythms. Buying seasonally also tends to be cheaper, fresher, and tastes better um, because it has a shorter time span from picking to eating. So in summary, this is what you can do when it comes to food. You can reduce your food waste. That is number one. Number two is to eat a plant-rich diet and less meat. And then number three, four, and five are eat local, seasonal, and organic. Cool. I hope you found this podcast useful and helpful on your eco journey. I'm sure some of these things you already do, and maybe you got a few more ideas or inspiration to take your next step. I would love your feedback so I can continue to make these episodes even more useful. So in the show notes, i included a link to a survey that will take you less than a minute and you'll share a bit about what you got from this episode and how I can continue to improve them. So please do take that survey. It makes a huge difference to me. Thank you. And also these episodes are meant to be easily shareable. We want to make sustainable change contagious. So please send this episode to a friend, a family member, or colleague who you think might be interested in making some changes with you. And then stay tuned for next month where I'm covering sustainability when it comes to the holidays. All right. Lots of love. Thank you for listening to Activators from Imagine 5. 
follow us and find more inspiring stories at imagine5.com.